Is it going now? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yes, it's going. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we improve culture through friendly competition. And here are this week's contestants. I am Lars, Blueberry Pie, North Carolina, award, I, Lars. <laughs> uh, I'm Nathaniel, I'm the Poet Laureate of Prussia. I'm Ryan, I'm the bad boy of the etiquette world. And I'm Jeremy, the mayor of Pigtown. <laughs> uh, and as hypothetical long-time uh, listeners to this podcast will know, um, we start off our, uh, our game with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute Wherein um, each participant will be given an uninterrupted two minutes to respond to a uh, previously determined prompt. This time it's going to be, how can Nick Cage revive his career? Starting us off is Lars, so you've got the show, Lars. I think talented actors such as Nicolas Cage with long histories really just need one good movie to bring them back. So instead of actually talking to you about that movie, I'm going to provide you with the trailer for that movie in terms of audio. Here we go. Old man Clint Eastwood was content to sit on his front porch and grunt at immigrants. Hmm. Immigrants. <laughs> Until one day he met a very special cat who was in trouble. Meow, I'm a cat in trouble. I need your help. I'm getting beat up by these teenage goats. Meow. <laughs> Come on out, cat. It's me, Jim Brewer. I mean, Greg, the goat bully. I'd like to help you, but honestly, I think you're part of the pussification of America. <laughs> well, I can't really help that because I'm a cat. Now, were you going to help me destroy those goats or not, old man? Because I'm ready, ready for the goat ride, baby! <laughs> but I do have this 44 Magnum that they let me keep from Dirty Harry. And another one from Magnum Force. And also one from Enforcer, the third film in the trilogy. I have one from Sudden <laughs> Sudden Impact, the fourth film, and also one from the Deadpool, the last film in the Dirty Harry Pentalogy, 1988. Well, then let's blow some goats. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is Smeckles the Cat with Jim Brewer as Greg the Goat Bully and Clint Eastwood as himself. In Pixar's first NC-17 feature film, You Damn Kids, parentheses, Get Off My Lawn, coming this fall, <laughs> featuring music from Dogstar. <laughs> so just in case the listeners at home didn't catch it, that was a kid's goat pun, correct? That's exactly right. Thank Brilliant. You. Excellent. Yeah. I just wanted to make, that can't well, go unnoticed because... That that, well, I figured historians of the podcast would pick that up, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the intent listener. Yeah, not some of those casual listeners that we deal with day in and day out who don't really get in do a close read. Wait, did we mean Nick Cage the actor? Repeatedly. <laughs>
Were you thinking of Nick Cage like the nickname you have for the cage where you keep humans in your basement? Right. It, you get nicked on it and get tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cage has really had a tough career. I can yeah. see the confusion. People have been escaping recently. How to bring it back, Jeremy just says, kidnap more people. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was the neonatal intensive care cage. That's what we were... <laughs> talking about. Mine is very different. Actually, mine is very similar to Lars, actually. The recommendation is another John and Kate. <laughs> I had a whole long thing about the Optimum. It was... Fertile Optimum material is gold. Yes. Oh, sorry, no, did you guys not bring sound effect machines? Yeah, does that siren indicate that someone has done something wrong? Whoa, penalty box, Lars! People go along. Right, oh, the fun police are here. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, so in that spirit, we'll move on to our next contestant. Nathaniel, can you take us from here? Yes, yes, gentlemen. Um, I think we need to begin with a general assessment of the contemporary trends in studio filmmaking. I want to be clear that Nicolas Cage is not going to revive his career doing independent films, no IFC or Fox Searchlight Productions for Cage. Uh, none of those will do the trick. He needs to be attached to a franchise, which is the one thing he has really yet to do. He didn't get Superman. Ghost Rider went nowhere. We could count National Treasure, but I'd rather not. One could argue there's an implicit informal franchise across Face Off, The Rock, and Con Air, but these movies clearly signal the beginning of the end for the once great actor and man. Cage needs a reboot more than a revival, and so Cage needs a reboot. I'm loath to say it, given my position the entertainment industry is um, right, going way too more the superhero um, bubble, I like to call it. Uh, but this is about Cage's career, his legacy, and so that the health of the film industry is a secondary concern. We don't want to mess with the formula, we just, and just as importantly, we don't want to rattle the cage. I don't want to revive his career with performances that cause everyone to reassess Cage's depth and ability as an actor. I want to reboot Cage that everyone recognizes as the Cage we have always known and loved. No surprises, only renewed recognition. So what film, trilogy, or franchise could work within the current climate, appeal to its trends, go with the tried-and-true formula, and allow Cage to say comfortably within himself? I propose a film adaptation of Transmetropolitan, the cyberpunk transhumanist comic series by writer Warren Ellis and artist Derek Robertson. Nicolas Cage would be Nay, it is Spider-Jerusalem, the hard-driven, chain-smoking, drug-enthusiast journalist. Storylines abound, world-building opportunities exist, and since 2003, interest has been expressed by several parties. I think it has it all. The time is right, the industry is prepared, audiences are hungry, and the actor is ready in the wings. Let's do this. Interesting. Man, that's a slow clap. That deserves a slow clap right there. Who else would be in that? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of the other characters. Hmm. There's the beautiful assistant. Yes, maybe a, a and of different ages. Maybe like Naomi Watts and Kate Winslet. Hmm. Hmm. Who plays the talking briefcase? <laughs> Uh, John John Leguizamo. Perfect. 
typecast. <laughs> <laughs> of course you chose John Leguizamo. He did, I love his work in Spawn. <laughs> yeah. Admitting John Leguizamo as an actor is racist. <laughs> I like that, Nathaniel, though I thought you were going a totally different direction that the movie was going to be called Reboot. Oh. And it was going to be like some kind of like kickboxer style movie called yeah. Reboot. Oh, called Reboot. Called Reboot, uh, yeah. I, I thought you were going to try to reboot him like Flatliners. Uh, <laughs> he, we need to bring him close to death <laughs> and bring him back to life again. I think he's done that himself a few times. Yeah. The, the other option was just to just remake all the movies he's been in. So just redo, you know, Raising Arizona. <laughs> was that the only movie you could think of? <laughs> you know, Raising Arizona <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Raising Arizona 2, of course. Yeah. He could do a Raising else. New Mexico. Raising <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> the Actually, full four the, corners. The sequel would just do it. Yeah, the sequels would just be different states. <laughs> this is my daughter, New Mexico. Hmm. All right, well, let's okay. uh, shift now to Ryan and see what he's brought to the table. All right, I've got four ideas, a four-pronged attack. All right, number one, a new National Treasure movie. All right, and every National Treasure movie has its MacGuffin, right, the thing that you're, you're chasing. This National Treasure movie, the National Treasure is the films of Nick Cage. <laughs> so that it reminds audiences that Nick Cage himself is a National Treasure. Right? So it's sort of a subtle move there. All right. Prong number two. Just go ahead and make that Superman movie anyway. <laughs> Don't get WB's approval. Screw Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Just make Superman Lives with the costume from the 90s, make it as a fan <laughs> film, right, Do with, like, that Vanderbeek Power Rangers movie. Just make it. I mean, you're going to have to have a doomsday and, like, a bad rubber costume, and it doesn't matter. Just make the movie anyways. People would watch it. Number three, keep up with the Left Behind movies, right? He was in that first Left Behind movie. But the advertising campaign is that literally you will not get raptured unless you have a ticket to one of Nick Cage's Left Behind movies. That that's, cause that's always been sort of the implicit bias or sort of the implicit appeal of those Left Behind books is that, you know, that's the exclusive club. So that just flat out say in the ad campaign, when Christ returns, you must have your ticket stub to one of the Nick Cage <laughs> Left Behind movies in order to be raptured. Right? So I think that's going to do it. And then lastly... I think one of Nick Cage's best movies is Adaptation, right, where he plays two characters, which leads me to believe that there should be a movie in which Nick Cage plays every character, right? <laughs> so kind of like an Eddie Murphy style thing, but way beyond that. Like he's the, every extra is Nick Cage, every animal is Nick Cage, right? So he plays the protagonist and the love interest and the villain and the father and the daughter, everybody is Nick Cage in some sort of makeup or getup. 
So I think I would pay to see that. I think everyone in America would, especially <laughs> if they were told in this movie, too, that they wouldn't get raptured. Unless, unless every movie from now on, you won't get raptured unless you see every Nick Cage movie. There's your plan, Nick Cage. Boom. I take 5% of the cut. <laughs> good. That is good. Yeah. So that, that okay. last one sounds like a cross between Face Off being John Malkovich. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Malkovich, the scene where Malkovich goes into his own head, that's what I have in mind here, except more costumes and stuff. But yeah, it would look quite a bit like that. Can we have it really terribly done so it's just one person in each shot? And it's just Nicholas Cage. Like, what's wrong, no. Daddy? No. <laughs> he's, clearly, he's clearly running back to the camera to hit stop and record alternately. <laughs> you can see or the wig is kind of askew. Right, yeah. The camera is always panning past one of those like uh, you know, like Japanese changing curtains. <laughs> When he wants to shake hands with people, he has to do it slightly out of frame. <laughs> <laughs> the fight scene is going to be really awkward. Yes. Well, that's actually a pretty good segue into mine. I think, Ryan, you and I are in the same headspace here. Um, okay. We'll chat about that privately later. Yeah. Um, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so mine, uh, I have to admit, when I first heard this prompt, I confess, I was a little confused, because clearly this is a guy who's got it made. He's sitting pretty on a throne of dinosaur skulls in his haunted New Orleans Maison as it gently sinks into our shattered Gulf Coast. But I think I get the spirit of this question, and when I saw a recent IGN report that Wesley Snipes was in talks with Marvel for a fourth Blade movie, I thought, well, there's your answer, case closed. However... Uh, this question made me realize something. Although, like Pacino, Cage has been lately winnowed down to two or three notes, at one time he was a rich instrument capable of producing a dazzling tune. He was H.I. McDonough and Sailor Ripley, and also Castor Troy and Benjamin Franklin Gates. So here's a chap who not only picked up... Pause. Uh, you not only picked up two deserved Oscar nods for leaving Las Vegas in an adaptation with a win for the former, but also battled medieval demons in Season of the Witch with only a receding hairline and incongruous accent. My point here is that this guy has done everything there is to do in the movie business. Like Alexander, he's run out of lands to conquer. So our question asks, how can such a man revive his career? The answer is that he must take his muse afar and plant his seed in the rich loam of new artistic endeavor. I'm reminded here of John Cusack's sad sack puppeteer and being John Malkovich, <laughs> who, wears the titular, who wears the titular thespian like a skin suit and transitions him from acting into puppetry. But the marionettic arts are not for Cage, no. In the Hitler biopic Max, the young Fuhrer exclaims to John Cusack's titular Jewish art dealer, I am the new avant-garde, and politics is the new art. And what was the rise of German National Socialism if not the crest of a new aesthetic? Here then comes our answer. Cage must throw his hat into the political arena, not into something as boorish uh, as, as a presidential campaign. Even his start gifts would be lost against the white noise of Donald Trump's bombastic buffoonery. Now, he must strive for something rarefied, and a moose-bouche for the cultured palate. <laughs> <laughs> Kate should run for drain commissioner of Crawford County, Michigan, <laughs> and then unfold his opus. After his inevitable victory, he should make an escalating series of untenable power grabs and bizarre claims, <laughs> such as that he was born of a sea bear, 
<laughs> he declare himself the emperor of ice cream and wear only the same pair of long johns throughout his administration until he was finally cloaked in shame and scandal from his manifold corrupt corruptions. Mm. In many ways, akin to John Cusack's unctuous politico Peter Burton in the film True Colors. <laughs> the good people of the Great Lakes state are the canvas upon which Cage will paint his masterpiece. We shall all bear witness. Oh, bravo. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think so. What what was the position he was running for again? Can I hear that again? Uh, drain commissioner. Okay, drain <laughs> of Crawford County, Michigan. Okay, gotcha. How long do you need residency in Michigan for that to to, to be eligible for such a position? Yeah, right. Oddly enough, um, you're required to be an alien for that. Position. <laughs> <laughs> they will not elect anyone that's a resident. So I like that, Ryan. Ryan, you kind of have this imagined as a Christo kind of scenario. For uh, for the for Cage, the, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the the big part of his performance art is also gaining residency. And yes. Appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all the permit, and there's going to be a documentary about him becoming a resident. It's going to be yeah. kind of a uh, him, half of it is him in line at the DMV. <laughs> and the documentary is called Circling the Drain. Oh, <laughs> there you go. And when he goes up to the DMV, he's going to introduce himself. Wearing another person's face and tear that <laughs> off. Face off. And the person will be John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was as much about John Cusack's career oh, as Nick Cage's yeah. career. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Plan B for me was just Face Off 2 starring Cage and John Cusack, except in real life. Get those two guys together, have them switch faces surgically and penises magically. <laughs> Great, yeah. So, Adam, so, we're so, not. I mean, we're not. We've not moved on to the voting portion, but I'm. I mean, I think Jeremy's in a strong position, but I wonder if if there's too much Cusack that he he might be disqualified mm, by. Uh, mm, we by do have that Cusack rule. Are you negging yeah. me to jockey for position already? <laughs> <laughs> the Cusack rule. Yeah. This is the kind of backdoor politicking that I didn't want involved yeah. in this podcast when I signed up. Yeah, what are we, Rod Blagojevich? <laughs> That's what they call a callback. Oh, well, um, I think we've wrapped up our first round, um, so we'll move on to uh, the speed round. But before we do that, uh, ding, 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 ding. Uh, Jesus, where's that sound effect machine? Ah, I'm just going to have to leave a note to myself and fix it in post. Fart noise. <laughs> um, so, uh, gentlemen... Uh, I'm proud to welcome uh, a new sponsor to the Agony cast. And, of course, by new, I mean first ever, and by sponsor, I mean contrived premise. Uh, friends, <laughs> how many times have you had a pressing social engagement, and wouldn't you know it, your mustache is unkempt, unruly, <laughs> downright ungentlemanly. What a faux pas! There's an exclamation point there. I don't have to tell you it's everyone's worst nightmare, but now those worries are a thing of the past because of Colonel Brandon's non-sulfated mustache wax. <laughs> Just a dab, and you're ready to face Glory's handmaidens with vigor. You know, friends, we here on the Agony Cast are all loyal users of Colonel Brandon's Wonder Paste. Why, just today, before the show, Ryan and I were leisurely conversing, and he happened to mention a particular time that Colonel Brandon's product saved him from a dilly of a social pickle. Uh, Ryan, perhaps you could share with the listeners a bit about the situation you described to me. It's true. I was headed over to my blacksmith's 
Um, but my mustache was a little unkempt, and I was worried that it would catch some of the flames from the blacksmith's hammer. And indeed it did. And my <laughs> face caught a flame. And that's why I'm so horribly scarred today and why I refuse to identify myself on the podcast or appear in public again. But Colonel Brandon's mustache wax kept me from <laughs> actually reconstructed my face. <laughs> Those properties have curative properties as well. Um, and so now I look just as good as new, but a bit waxier, with a mustache that's perfectly kempt. And if I could, if I could jump in here for a second, uh, of course, Lars. Now we all know, uh, <laughs> Lars. We all know that your cheeks are Nordic porcelain. Mm-hmm. But I was interested to learn that you, in fact, go through ten after ten of Colonel Brandon's product. Perhaps you can tell us a bit about that. I am the man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did a piece of paper just cut Nathaniel's head off? I assume that was you, Nathaniel. I might have been somebody else. I am a man who cannot grow a mustache. Uh, decades of Swedish inbreeding have made me both personally infertile and what my people call infertile of the face, uh, which means incapable of growing more than a whisper of mustache uh, hair. But you barely have to, a zoom out above your lip. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. No, 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 no. Any sort of uh, of decoration on top of my base whiteness uh, is is uh, well nigh impossible. But thanks to this fabulous product, I've been able to grow. Um, well, what I call a double whisper. Like it's still not. It's not. It's somewhere between peach fuzz. And uh, five o'clock shadow for a normal person, but I tell you, I'm going to keep on using it uh, uh, despite the side effects. Mm. Right, and uh, so there's unsolicited testimony from us to you, the listener. And now, Nathaniel, I, I know I can call you a satisfied Colonel Brandon disciple, <laughs> but I hope I don't violate your confidence here when I reveal that it was not always this way. I wonder if you could tell us, as you told me, about the dreadful experience you had using a competing product. Uh, yes, I used General Chuck's mustache treatment. Um, in addition to years of impotence and discoloration of my face and and subsequently my pubic hair in a, Keep going. In a, in a vein to decorate... Uh, my nether regions, uh, yes, discoloration, impotence, um, and then eventually total hair loss um, everywhere. Um, and I, I got glaucoma in one of my eyes. <laughs> now that's a shame. But but you said that Colonel Brandon himself offered to buy you a Merkin, right? Yes, yes. Um, that was it. Was much as oftentimes when you switch cell phones and you're allowed to keep your number. Uh, <laughs> reached out to me and replaced my hair as good as new um, and then provided a 15% off coupon for the first six months of any Colonel Brandon product that I so chose from their um, bespoke catalog. And remember his guarantee against scrofula. And gents, that kind of generosity is uh, not uncommon from the Colonel. And friends, there you have it. 
testimony that's as good as the gospel. So the next time you're with your barber, haberdasher, hairdresser, or cobbler, remember to ask for it by name. Papa, may I have some Colonel Brandon's non-sulfated mustache wax? <laughs> that, uh, that last bit was ad copy. That was scrimshot on a walrus tusk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you know what that sound effect means. Fart noise. Um, it's time for us to move on to our uh, speed round. Speed round. When do we vote? At the end. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, and in this round, we'll uh, uh, select a few randomly determined uh, topics, and we'll quickly uh, pile up some answers responding to them. And it looks like our first topic is rejected Breaking Bad catchphrases. I open it to you, gents. What are some rejected Breaking Bad catchphrases? Lars has his hand up. Lars, Lars, is, Lars wants to go. Sorry, hit it, Lars. You'll want to die, and then you'll also want to die, and then the show ends. Uh, breaking Bad, beautiful New Mexico. <laughs> you are the one who opens the door. <laughs> Our show will make you taller. <laughs> That's a good point, and I think biologically sound, yeah. Uh, sponsored by that mustache wax we were just talking about. <laughs> uh, breaking, breaking Bad, this is what a bathtub is truly for. Yeah. <laughs> breaking Bad, the continued story of the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> right. I'd like to think that that's the same character. He's just had a few name changes. <laughs> right, he's already been through this whole thing once before, actually. He's yeah, this already is, in witness protection. He's already, Saul has already made him disappear. This is the prequel to Malcolm in the Middle, in fact. This is how he ends up <laughs> no, there. No, no, it's, no. Malcolm Middle is the prequel. This is the main event. And then he's secreted off to Japan where he comes to fight Godzilla. Yeah, right. How does Nick Cage uh, fit into all this? Uh, Nick, Nick Cage, Cage is, is the Godzilla God. monster. Yeah, he's, he's Godzilla. Yeah. Also, also in line with Ryan's proposal, he also plays uh, Mothra in that movie as well. And the nuclear reactor. <laughs> yeah. He plays every person, place, and thing in the film. Lars, I don't want to skip by you there. Oh, it was stupid. Breaking Bad, Electric Blue Boogaloo. <laughs> it's not... You're right, wanted, that was I bad. Want, I want it to be so... Oh, I want it to be bad. It's not good. Fuck this game. Breaking Bad Methamphetamine Boogaloo? That's great. Damn it. Boy, right there on the I mean, surface. I think, yeah. <laughs> Just no, waiting. Lars, 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 as is his want, dug too deep. Like Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> like a Groundhog Icarus. How about Groundhog? No, it doesn't work. Maybe, I just, you just say meth teeth? <laughs> That's still funny. <laughs> That does it for me, and you know what I'm talking about. Don't mess with us. <laughs> New Mexico. <laughs> New Mexico. That's perfect. Improved meth standards for your child. So now these are just simply puns, huh? <laughs> I thought that now we were going for the entire time. Yeah. Welcome to Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by ketchup. <laughs> 
All right. Um, you know what that means. You know what our uh, usual reference to Prairie Home Companion means. It's time to move on to our next topic. Um, and that is art projects that were rejected by both James Franco and Shia LaBeouf. Art projects that were rejected by both James Franco and Shia LaBeouf. Human centipede uh, from shore to shore, from coast to coast. Mm -hmm. uh, nymph Nymphomania 2, this time it's personal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A straight, non-drug addicted man. Mm -hmm. That's a thinker. Uh... Typewriter-based speed poetry? How about, hey, you don't even have to come. You can just roll your eyes in advance. Is <laughs> <laughs> hosting the Oscars together? <laughs> kind of too soon. <laughs> Drain commissioner opponent of the cage. Other thoughts about art projects that are rejected by both James Franco and Mr. Transformer, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, the, the Michael Bay biopic? Hmm. Mm, yes. who, would, who would play what? No, they, they rejected it. I think that they wouldn't want to play the man himself. Hmm. Right, that's, that's why it's not getting made, Jeremy. They never got that far. <laughs> that, that's all it takes, huh? <laughs> These two guys um, say no. <laughs> if Shia LaBeouf says no, your project is dead in this town. That's right. Hey, how about a musical version of Motorcycle Diaries? <laughs> Who plays the motorcycle? Uh, oh, we already played. went through this. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> you already had this conversation. That's right. They're all characters inside of his head. It's a one man. All right. Well, then we'll move uh, on that, to our uh, final. Uh, one more. What was that? 128 hours, except James Franco is just stuck inside of Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that was worth it. All right. Um, so we'll move on to our last topic, and that are things that will happen at Rowdy Roddy Piper's funeral. <laughs> tragic. Well, I wouldn't say tragic. I mean, he was a nice guy and everything, but that's hardly unexpected. But he's he's uh, been called to his reward. So what are some things that will happen at Rowdy Roddy Piper's funeral? Uh, I call dibs on bagpipes? <laughs> how, about, how about Jeremy shows up with a giant sign uh, that offends everyone, and the sign just says, hardly unexpected? <laughs> I think that the coffin is snapped in half like a Slim Jim. <laughs> yes. I think okay. the Undertaker drops the last ride on the <laughs> I think Hulk that wrestling performs a few songs. I would say Hulkster in Heaven. Look it up. He's going to perform <laughs> Hulkster in Heaven. How about a beautiful rendition of Sweet Chariot by Paul Bearer? Let's go, yeah. Oh, sweet, yeah. Hey, a mm -hmm. cast reunion of of Hulk Hogan's movie, The Nanny. Nanny with muscles. Santa with muscles. Nanny yeah. with muscles. Nanny with muscles. Santa with muscles. <laughs> Maybe like a, a, a long uh, eulogy that's just a plea for relevance from uh, China, the female wrestler from the early 2000s. Right, right. Uh, the Rock does a barbecue where he can just keep asking, uh, yelling what The Rock is cooking. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson. Sorry, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, son of a bitch. A solitary, mascara-smeared, four-foot woman walks slowly to the coffin, spits once, and then leaves. <laughs> 
Uh, he, he's he's given like the uh, the Medal of Freedom by both uh, the Irish and Scottish heads of state, but they realize they don't really know who was supposed to go, so they both get embarrassed. <laughs> right. I think, like the ancient Egyptians, the entire uh, procession is buried alive with Rowdy Roddy Piper <laughs> so that he can right. save them in the afterlife. There's a big sign in front of it that says Piper's Pit, and these <laughs> are pushed into it. With several gross of potatoes, I'm assuming, at some point. I'd like to take this opportunity to point out that Nathaniel's Irish. <laughs> yes. Just to try and forestall any hate mail. Man. Mm-hmm. Talk oh, yeah. about. The message boards are going to light up. <laughs> you can direct hate mail to Jeremy at Reagan.com. <laughs> I, 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 we're having a hard time settling whether or not we want to make ethnic jokes or wrestling jokes. I think it needs to be the tension here. Why not both? Much wrestling is just protracted uh, ethnic jokes. <laughs> yes. This, especially Mexican wrestling. A lot of stereotypes. Oh, here we go. Okay, so so a uh, a long speech by Vince McMahon about uh, you know how we need to do something to stop all these wrestlers from dying, and we have no idea why about thirty wrestlers a year at the exact same age would die from the exact same illness, incredible heart attack, and also have the same body type, <laughs> roided out, heart ruinous, steroid use. Oh. Lars, this is a comedy podcast. You keep your political agenda to yourself. <laughs> well, you know what that awkward series of hate crimes means. Um, it's time for voting. Um, so our rules are, as always, um, you cannot vote for yourself, and I'll tabulate the votes. Um, if there is a tie, only then will I um, vote. Uh, like the vice president in the Senate. In fact, in every way, like the vice president in the Senate. Uh, so, Ryan, who do you vote for? Well, if I could, I would vote for Colonel Brandon for the service he's provided. But because I can't, but because I can't, I vote for Jeremy as his spokesperson. Excellent. So that's one vote for me, Nathaniel. Who do you vote for? Um, I'm in the I'm in the same boat as Ryan. I I, I think a vote for Jeremy is a vote for Colonel Brandon. <laughs> All right, well then, Lars, why don't you throw your vote away and tell us who you voted for? <laughs> I vote for a third party. No, I say, uh, I say Jeremy, too. Great job this week, Jeremy. All right, so I swept it. Uh, that means I get to pick uh, next uh, episode's topic, and that's going to be, uh, what is the best superhero movie yet filmed? Ooh, timely. There's a rash of superhero movies coming out of late, obviously. I want us to do some deep cuts and start thinking realistically. What's the best superhero movie yet filmed? Is that you I mean yet? That means we how how we can go back as far as we want. Oh yeah. Can I consult my dream journal? Can you? It's almost <laughs> expected. Can we can we discuss the films of Al Jolson as sort of unstated superhero films? I think we're obliged to do that. Oh. <laughs> all right, and so we'll do all these things in preparation for next episode, and we hope that you'll join with us again in the next uh, session of the Agony Cast. Until then, remember, I still haven't figured out how to end these. <laughs>